Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. About organized religion and democracy, are they oxymoron? Are they antithesis of one to each other? And uh, we are lucky to have Dr. Uh, Tom Robinson from uh, University of Lethbridge Religious Studies Program. But uh, before I go on to introduce the subject and the speaker, I'd like to remind you and welcome you for the first session of the season of Pub- uh, Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. And welcome. And uh, from the look of the number of people who are here, here the subject must be very interesting. And I would like to thank the uh, university for its advertisement and uh, uh, Shaw Television, which uh, record the whole thing and uh, rebroadcast it on Sunday. Is it 4 o'clock on Sunday? 4.30. 4.30. So if you missed a word or two of important words, uh, you can switch it on and... Uh, click on to Shaw Television at 4.30 on Sunday. And also other uh, Lethbridge media who are here and uh, uh, cover the important subject that we usually present here. Uh, One more very important thing I have to remind you is it's 11 bucks, (laughs) not 10. And uh, if you have a problem with change, Talk to Lisa. She's got a lot of changes. So would you put your money in the basket at your table? Of course, except the speaker. He gets a free lunch. Uh, but uh, please uh, be reminded that uh, uh, from this session, the fee is $11 for beautiful hot lunch, which is very unusual in town. And uh, format, as you probably know already, half an hour for presentation, half an hour for lunch, and half an hour for question and answer. We would like to conclude by 1.30 sharp. Uh, Dr. Robinson is a professor at the Religious Studies Department, and he specializes in the history of Christianity, and in particular, relationship between Christianity and Judaism in early part of our history of the uh, Christian church, history of a Christian church. And uh, he is most qualified to speak about the subject. And uh, uh, I hope that uh, you will all enjoy his presentation. And without any further ado, let us call on Dr. Robinson to speak on the subject. Uh, Let me first say that uh, one of the statements made was quite in error. I am not qualified to speak on this subject, and I assume I was selected to do so because having gone down a long list of people who might be qualified (laughs) and who declined, they turned to the university 
and my department, and my department turned to me. I don't know why anyone would want to speak to an audience where there's a danger of being hit by flying Bibles or thrown bishops. But I have a duty through the university to do some community service, and this is what this is supposed to be. Okay. Now, I don't have a horse in this race, uh, this race being the issue of St. Pat's. I don't have even a bishop in this race. And I am not qualified to speak on uh, the particulars of the local situation, though I'll make a few comments nonetheless. It's always a bad sign, I should point out, that when a speaker comes with his wife and his wife brings a mystery novel to read <laughs> while the speaker speaks. I, I will pay for that comment. Anyway, I have taught, uh, I teach Christianity uh, history of Christianity at the University of Lethbridge have done so for 26 or 27 years and each year I do one course in the history of Christianity and on occasion in that course I am confronted by something called organized religion and disorganized religion too. So I will try to make my comments somewhat general uh, and controversial. Uh, the talk could be quite short, and maybe that's what you would wish, having come with loaded questions and tomatoes. Uh, the question is whether organized religion is antithetical to democracy. Easy answer. Yes. So could we start the meal now? And, uh, but I think I want to stay... And not just for the meal, but for this talk. Because I think most who would answer yes, organized religion is antithetical to democracy, would also think that that's a bad thing. Right? Am I generally on track here? Uh, I don't necessarily think that way. Now, I'm not here to defend a bishop or the Pope, or my wife's reading habits. Uh, but I think what we need to do is, uh, and, and this will sound very strange, I think what I want to do is to try to de-idealize democracy. Should I leave now? and de-demonize uh, organized religion. In other words, I think we need to perhaps take a less extreme view on both. Uh, so am I going down a road that will get me in trouble already? I hope so, because, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, when we think of a statement like democracy is good, we think of it almost as universally, uh, universally agreeable, fully in company with such statements as babies are cute, 
and apple pie and ice cream is a good way to end a meal, though that's not a suggestion to the caterers today. Uh, we're so convinced that democracy is a good thing, and indeed the best thing, that we're keen to see it spread quick and thick wherever it does not already exist. And we're just as convinced about what we don't want to see spread, generally an attitude in the Western world, and that is organized religion. Organized religion is generally in today's society condemned in the company of the bad, along with tornadoes and taxes. And I hear on occasion, but apparently not in southern Alberta, with Tories too. <laughs> Let me illustrate. Just in the last week, a Roman Catholic cardinal died well into his 80s, a reformist, uh, by, uh, an Italian, and uh, by the name of Cardinal Martini. He had, uh, just before his death, made a comment uh, to a newspaper that he thought the Catholic Church was about uh, 200 years uh, behind the times. All, uh, this, this was an article on the CBC uh, website. Almost every comment to that news item, took that as an opportunity to slam organized religion, even though that was not precisely the point of the Cardinal's com comment. If we Facebook democracy and organized religion, and this is an older crowd, but you all have some contact, I suppose, with the world of Facebook and things like that, uh, even if only to access, access photos of your grandchildren, however that works. Uh, if we Facebook democracy, the likes, it would go to the top. If we Facebook uh, organized religion, dislikes to the bottom, basically. Religion or organized religion has gotten a pretty rough ride lately, and I think for good reason. The failure of the Catholic Church to deal quickly and effectively with the sexual abuse of children by priests, the perhaps well-intended but severe actions taken in residential schools by uh, church-led institutions, the beheading of a couple dozen of teenagers who had simply attended a dance and listened to music by the Taliban. The destruction of cultural artifacts, which generally means destruction of religious artifacts, as happened a few years ago in Afghanistan uh, by the Taliban when they uh, destroyed some Buddhist monoliths. And more recently, within the past month or two, a similar kind of destruction by uh, 
people of similar attitude uh, in the city of Timbuktu. And uh, maybe not at the same level of offense, but to some of you, probably almost, the closure locally of uh, St. Patrick's. Uh, it's easy enough to find many illustrations that would at least allow us to feel comfortable about throwing a blanket condemnation over all of institutionalized religion. That's the way the modern world is. It's not just an institutionalized religion, like the power of the priest that has suffered. The power of the prince has suffered too. And so here we have kind of an illustration of how things have changed in Western society in the modern age. The two traditional structures of authority, long-term, throughout most of history, the power of the priest and the power of the prince is no more, at least in our world. Uh, now we might still tune in to the TV to uh, watch Queen Elizabeth in uh, her golden jubilee or in her rather gracious uh, attendance of the Olympics uh, in the arm of James Bond. But we all know that the authority of Queen Elizabeth II is nothing like the authority of Queen Elizabeth I. Uh, things have changed. Uh, the palace and the prince are weak. And the priest and the steeple uh, have very little power too. Now, can we de-idealize democracy? I saw somebody here with a shirt and I agreed with the sentiment that said uh, democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, I agree enough with that uh, that I didn't ask him to take off his T-shirt. Uh, democracy is not a spectator sport. But I think democracy can become uh, particularly idealized when we set it against something that is as demonized as organized religion. So I want to try to de-idealize democracy for the moment. I'll still leave you with a good dose of democracy remaining, so uh, um, don't get too uncomfortable uh, yet. Rarely is democracy displayed in its most ideal form. Rarely is organized religion displayed in its most demonized form. Greek democracy had no place for women and non-citizens or for citizens who had been exiled for speaking their mind. American democracy had no place for slaves. Or even a hundred years after the end of slavery, uh, made it difficult for the children of slavery to vote. Like the Greeks, it had no place for women. This is American democracy until 1920, or Native Americans in Utah until 1956, or people without photo ID in Pennsylvania. 
the present law just passed by a Republican legislature to help give Romney the state. Only Canada really excels in the extension of democracy to everybody. Well, except women until 1918 and until 1940 in Quebec and the Chinese until 1947 and First Nations until 1960 and prisoners finally settled by a Supreme Court decision in 2002. And the robocalled, who knows whether we're at the beginning or the end of that kind of deficient democracy. Even in the most democratic of societies, many of the ways that individuals group themselves for common purpose are not democratic. The family unit is the most obvious example, where the principle of one person, one vote is routinely violated by the principle of I'm the mum, that's why. In the workplace, although employees might be asked for their opinion, uh, rarely is a vote taken on what the company should do. A surgeon at the operating table rarely will poll those around the table on how to proceed. Or at least if he does, I don't want to be the person on the table. Even when we think of democracy, at work in its most fundamental and crucial way, the election of our governments, the experience of democracy is a one-day event every four years when we cast one vote for one person or two votes for one person if we live in certain areas. The reality is that most of our experience with democracy is in matters that do not matter. Is the chess club to meet on Tuesday or Thursday? Let's vote on it. Uh, should we have our bake sale during or after whoop-up days? Let's vote on it. I was going to mention uh, quilting clubs in this context, but my wife pointed out that apparently I had never been a member of a quilting club. But many organizations don't work that way. Numerous institutions, not just religious ones, have a sense of structure, hierarchy, purpose, and order, which individuals adopt and to which they conform when they join. Many of these institutions are longstanding, with developed traditions, a rich history, and significant accomplishments and are attractive to new members precisely because of these features. That they lack democratic principles in decision-making makes them neither deficient nor dangerous as an institution in which individuals might find significance and purpose. There's nothing particularly inhuman or dehumanizing about such institutions. Indeed, since the institutions have long functioned as productive and workable ways for humans to associate and to succeed. Thus, the question to be asked is not whether organized religion is antithetical to democracy, but whether organized institutions generally are antithetical to democracy. And the answer may well be yes, but that brush does paint widely. If democracy is not as rich as the, its ideal, Organized religion is not always, uh, has not always, nor is it now as quite as bad as is made out to be. Uh, 
especially the attacks by the new atheists, uh, though most would agree that religious authority is at one of its low points, except in the southern states, and where else? Oh, there's a whiff of that in Canadian politics. Uh, the failure uh, of the church is considerable, and the anger of people inside and outside of the church uh, with the activities and directions of the church uh, is understandable. But we can't throw it out completely. Uh, we would miss or misrepresent the nuances of how organized religion has functioned, some of which is democratic at some level, uh, democratic enough that in other institutions we would let pass as acceptable. I said at the beginning that the power of the priest is gone. It's not quite gone. Religion still informs a large segment of our population, especially if we examine the entire world and not just a secular uh, Western context. Even in the West, where links between church and state have been shorn, many, of the, in, the state, many in the state are also in the church. Uh, we might say there's still some power left in the steeple. Much of that power will be exercised in matters of belief and behavior, theological issues and issues of moral conduct. But increasingly, the matter of property has come to the fore, uh, which is the local issue that has prompted this uh, particular talk here today. And I'll try to get to that point uh, a bit later. Uh, but for the moment, let's discuss how, religious, uh, how decisions are made in religious organizations. Even in the most conservative of tradition, change is inescapable and decisions must be made in regard to new situations or in regard to concerns that have become outdated and irrelevant. Is there a place for democracy in decisions uh, in the church, in religious institutions? I'll look at Christian churches in particular, since that is the context of much of the discussion. Christian churches have tended to hold one of three views of authority. Uh, there is the Episcopal uh, structure that we're familiar with in Catholicism, in the Orthodox, uh, Orthodox Church, and in some Protestant churches, where the bishop or more precisely the Council of Bishops, will make a decision on matters of faith and practice. The second structure of authority, so there is some voting going on there. If you want to find some aspect of democracy, votes are done by bishops, uh, not by the general population, but still a vote is taken. It is a mistake to think of, say, Catholicism, as the rule of one man, the Pope, the Pontiff, uh, with infallible authority. Uh, actually, the uh, Pope has, uh, at least in the present day, has probably less authority than uh, Stephen Harper uh, or the late Steve Jobs. Uh, church, uh, matters in the church are settled by council and not by dictate of the Pope. But forget that structure and go down one level, getting closer to a wider democracy. Uh, there are churches that have a kind of Presbyterian structure where you have each church 
electing representatives and these representatives attending a council of other churches in the denomination to make the decision. So there is uh, some sort of representation by the people who get to vote, uh, but they are not the ones who actually vote in the final decision. And then, of course, at the lowest level, and lowest I don't mean anything judgmental about that, uh, at the lowest level of uh, structure or hierarchical authority is the congregational structure that we see in a lot of evangelical churches had been characteristic of Baptist churches at one time, Pentecostalism and such, and that is where uh, members of the congregation, all members in good standing, which normally means uh, uh, they're not doing horrible things on the steps of the church or, and they are paying money uh, weekly into the plate, uh, that all members get to vote on uh, on all matters, from theological ones to moral ones uh, to issues of, of property. So there is democracy at some level. There's voting at some level in uh, religious organizations. Uh, can it ever be uh, voting on everything with uh, the full members voting from the novice to the near 90? Is that what... Uh, when we say religion or is organized religion antithetical to democracy and we say yes and we think it's bad, what do we expect to be the replacement of that? Is it where we have every member voting on every issue? How would that work? Uh, I think a case can be made that... Unlike the Republican mantra in the, uh, in the present presidential election that we, we built it, that institutions, whether religious or otherwise, of long, long standing, can claim that those presently living and involved did not build it. In other words, institutions that have some history to them may have some obligation, not just to the present members, but to the broad membership even in the past. Now, you might ask, uh, do you mean to have the dead vote? Uh, which I hear has some difficulties uh, though it is apparently still strict civic duty in Chicago. <laughs> uh, but suppose we say, uh, forget those who have invested time and money and intelligence into an institution in the past. These people, now dead, really have no right to dictate where the institution now goes. We leave that only to the living. Which living will we give the vote to? Take Catholicism, for example. Would we give the vote to everyone on every issue? We couldn't do that because what you would find is that the Catholic Church, probably, if you took all the members together, 
would be much more conservative in attitudes toward theology and toward moral conduct than Western Catholics or North American Catholics might be. So you can't just, you know, it's not good. Extending democracy is not an easy solution because if you extend democracy and make the uh, organized religion or any institution fully democratic, uh, you may not be pleased, especially with the bigger ones, who gets to vote and how the direction of that organization is shaped. So we would come down to, would we, drawing electoral boundaries to make sure that our subgroup's interest uh, uh, could win the day? Not, not an easy solution. So when we talk about is organized religion antithetical to democracy, do you have a solution if you don't like it? Uh, you can't simply pour in democracy and necessarily have it work for the better. At least that's my sense, just looking at the uh, history of the evolution of uh, religious movements and our own uh, present, I think, idealizing of democracy and our probably unnuanced sense that if we could dump democracy into these institutions, they would be better for it. I'm not sure that's the case. Now, I have left two minutes to say something about St. Pat's. Uh, because I have a feeling in the 30 minutes that will follow the lunch, there will be much said about St. Pat's. Uh, let me say this. For members, even of a large institution like the Catholic Church, their sense of what their church is is often not seen in terms of the abstract universal, but in terms of a concrete structure locally. Uh, there are people who have been uh, born almost in the church. I don't know whether... Uh, it's ever happened that they never made it to the hospital during Mass and somebody was actually born in the church. But there would be people whose lives have been lived in the church. Uh, births celebrated there, confirmations, uh, marriages, deaths. Uh, it is the home they know, uh, an essential part of their life. Uh, in a way that those without that attachment can never understand the loss. And so I can identify in some way with people whose concerns are quite uh, expressive, who feel very hurt uh, by the loss of what is a home. We would probably feel that way if we, all, if we lost our homes. Forget the church. If we lost our homes, we would all feel that way. Uh, I'm not sure what the solution is. I'm sure there are ideas that will be presented in a moment. All I can say about the local situation is that uh, given what is happening large-scale in uh, many religious traditions where there's a loss of members uh, through deaths sometimes and not uh, uh, adding uh, new converts, uh, with a loss of members, there's a loss of resources, financial resources, which uh, is needed uh, in order to keep uh, physical space 
safe and functioning. And in terms of Catholicism and in some Protestant churches, uh, there uh, is simply a uh, decline in those who have committed to the religious lifestyle of service as priests or pastors. So there's a shortage of priests. What do you do in a situation where you have less revenue, fewer members, and no priests to fill in? Uh, These may be realities that a bishop and I have no uh, interest in allying with uh, uh, bishops in Calgary, uh, but these are matters that come to the fore when decisions have to be made. Uh, How they're made, I I doubt you can make a decision like that that will keep everybody happy. Uh, And uh, I have no particular solution. If I did, I wouldn't be teaching at the university. I would be collecting massive Romney-like dollars uh, giving my advice to institutions in uh, danger. Thank you.